0: Welcome to Momentum Church. Good morning, everybody. I want to jump right into this today. We got some things the Lord wants to do in this house this morning. Amen? Amen? And so, if you would, let's open our Bibles up to John chapter 5. We're back into the book of John, and we'll be here up into Easter. And um, I just want to let you know. I want you to begin to prepare your hearts today just in faith for what God desires to do in this house in our lives. Amen. And um, ever since I was a little boy, you look at scripture, you hear stories in scripture about healing and about how Jesus would come amongst his people and he would do a work of healing. He would come into a city and throngs would begin to come. And it just seemed like he always looked out for that one that was unfortunate or that one that was in desperate need. It was like he always was looking out past the crowd. Not that he wasn't preaching to the crowd. He was, but he was looking for that one individual in the crowd that had such desperation, such hunger, such desire, such need. And it drew him to that person and and god would do mighty mighty works and even as a kid it wasn't just the scriptures of healing that would draw me in it was the experiences in church services where you would sense the presence of the holy spirit so strong and so rich i I was gonna say it's as if jesus was in the room no 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 jesus was in the room amen That's where my heart's at today. I just I want to invite the Holy Spirit to have His place in this room today, Amen. Let's just take a moment, and I want, this is a great symbol of surrender. Let's just put our arms like this, and it's also a great symbol of just desire to receive, desire to be filled, Amen. And so, Lord God, right now, we as a people, we just want to receive today. We want to be filled today. We, we want to sense the moving of your Holy Spirit in this house today, Jesus. And we invite you. Anything that is within our hearts, anything that is within this place, God, we, we dispel it in the name of Jesus, that this would be an open, open place for your presence to move in and amongst us, to do your will, to bring life change, to bring strength, to bring healing. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, there is nothing like being in a room where Jesus is doing the works of the Lord to bring about change in a person's life. Amen? And that's something that I believe we can press. Everybody say press. That's something we can press into. And that's what we're going to do today. But I want to build with the word first, and then we're going to get back into worship. And the Lord is going to do some amazing things in this house today. If you believe that, say amen. amen. All right, open your Bibles to John 5 and stand up as we read this first verse for today. John 5, verse 1 through 3, it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Most believe that feast was the Passover. Jesus, during the years of his ministry, he celebrated three Passovers with his people. Most theologians believe that's the feast we're talking about. I'd be remiss if I didn't just put this in there. We've had a lot of announcements today, but I want to put this in. We are doing a Seder meal. We haven't done one in a couple years because of COVID, but we are doing a Seder Passover meal on Friday night the 15th. Friday night the 15th. For more details, you go to mymomentumchurch.tv. And you can sign up for that, see the cost. You know, there's just enough to cover food and such. And um, the registration ends on four twelve. 12 So April 12th, the registration will So... Go on there today or the next couple of days. We only have 88 seats available for this event. So, but we're going to be doing that and, and just seeing Jesus in the Passover, Jesus in that Seder meal. And so they were coming into town and Jesus had gone up to Jerusalem to celebrate. We're going to say Passover. That's what most think. And then verse 2, now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool. In Aramaic, that pool is called Bethesda. It has five roofed colonnades. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Go ahead and have your seat. And so we see here as we look at the scripture that there's this pool named Bethesda, and imagine a pool in the center with five roofed colonnades, so columns that are going up, holding up a roof, which literally would be over each person that is laying there around the pool. It was a sense of a covering over them to keep them from the heat of the day. And so we see that that word Bethesda says that it's an Aramaic word, and what it means is house of mercy. Another, another definition of it would be house of grace. Say house of grace. Man, aren't you glad you're in a house of grace today? Woo! I love that Momentum Church is a grace place. Amen? I love that we, look, we don't look down at nobody. We, we, we don't judge people. We know every one of you are sinners. We know it. No, I'm kidding. We, we just, but we realize that the foot of the cross, the floor, the ground is equal. It's, it's, it's level with the foot of the cross for all of us, you know? <clears throat> And so that place is a place of grace. That pool was a place that was known where miracles would happen. It was a place that was known as the house of grace. And John tells us that these multitudes of people, impotent folk, blind folk, withered and waiting for a moving of the water, these people were all gathered around this pool. And as we saw there in verse 2, that the colonnades provided shade for all those disabled and gathered there. But, but there was something else about this pool and its popularity. What it was in religious folklore of that day, the angel would come. An angel would come and stir those waters and would stir up the waters to the point that when they saw them stirred, whoever the first person was to get in the water, they got healed. That's awesome. But as I was reading, I thought... It's a grace place, and only one person at a time, a chance, can get healed. It it just, it kind of broke my heart a little bit, you know? Religion and folklore and things like that, it will always keep people from God's best. It will always keep people from an encounter with Jesus. It will always keep people just hoping for their next time, rather than applying faith and saying, this is my next time right now, you know? And so this man we see is here, and it says in verse 5, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. That's a long time to be sick. He wasn't actually sick, most likely, maybe sick. An invalid, I looked it up, it's a person who is made weak or disabled by, by, by sickness or injury. So we don't know how he got Disabled, But he's an invalid He wasn't born this way Something happened to him An injury happened to him That caused this sickness to be upon him This paralyzation to be upon him And and I want you to imagine if you would That the the, the five colonnades are there And this man for 38 years Is finding himself under the covering of the colonnades I don't think it's an accident There's five colonnades If you think of a pool You would think there would be four One, two, three, four. I've seen renderings of what it would have looked like. And there's an extra, extra colonnade in the midst of all those other colonnades. And and here's the thing about that. What's this place called? The house of grace, Grace, right? In scripture, the number five always points to grace. Okay, so don't miss that. The number five points to grace in scripture. And, And here you have five coverings. Five colonnades. Grace is what covers us in a sense. We find our shelter in the person of Jesus and his grace is a covering for us. For 38 years, this man was finding shelter from the beating down sun in the midst of his sickness, in the midst of his paralyzation for 38 years, he is covered. Say he's covered. He's covered, but he's not well. Let me say that again. He was covered for 38 years. He was covered, but he was not well. Okay? So this man, he was born, wasn't born that way. He experienced something in his life that caused his injury. The injury had, though, over time, 38 years, it had just become his new norm. This is, this is life. Somebody deposits me at the pool, and all day long, I stay at the pool, Thank God I have a covering from the heat of the sun, but this is my life. This is my new norm, and this has become my identity. It has shaped me. It's who I am. Now, I'm not going to look down on anybody that's crippled, etc. You know, that's not the point of this sermon, right? Amen? But this man had grown in that, that environment for 38 years, satisfied being covered in a sense. And I just want to say this to all of y'all, everyone in this room, at some point, you've been injured. And when I say that, what I mean is you've been injured by sin. The original sin in this earth has caused calamity in so many ways. Maybe you're injured in a marriage and you find yourself single now. Maybe you were injured by somebody doing something wrong financially in your life. Maybe you're injured because at some point, injury, I don't know about y'all, I self-injure more than people hurt me, amen? I got scars all over myself. My kids are like, what, Daddy? What's wrong with your hands? Well, I got little short fingers, and I can't wear gloves to work in because they just flop. It's true. And so I have scars. Yeah, I'll show them. I have scars everywhere on my hands, you know? Never a stitch. I just use super glue. It works, hush. It does. <laughs> But injury can be self-inflicted as well. But all I'm saying is that original sin is something that is in this world that brings injury. You may have brought on the self-inflicted injury of addiction. You thought it was just going to be a good time when you were 14, 15 years old. And when the alcohol got into your system, there was something within you that went, Woo! I want more of that. Or maybe you were down one day, and you'd heard that somebody said, you know what, just drink your misery away. And you thought, well, it's not my norm, but I'll try that. Oh, that worked. There's a tear in my beer, and it's crying for you, dear. Right? In the middle of you're like, oh, I feel better. But now it's become an injury. Now it's become an addiction. Now it's become something that you can deal with, or 38 years later, you're still being paralyzed by that sin. And let, let, me, let me jump another thing. It could be sickness. You, you didn't bring cancer on you. You didn't bring this on you. You didn't bring that on you, whatever that is. But man, it's there. Original sin brought sickness into this world, and you're injured by it. Does that make sense? And it's like, what do I do? What do I do next? What's my next step? And for this man, for 38 years, his next step was to be brought to that place, to lay up underneath the covering of grace, if you will, and that was it. For 38 years. John 5, verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? Man, I don't know about y'all, if I had somebody after 38 years say, do you want to be made well? What's the answer? Yeah, I want it. Like now, like post haste. I'm ready, you know? Of course. Why would that question even have to be asked in a sense? But you got to remember this place had tons of people and he looks at this man, do you want to be healed? Don't you believe that anyone in this situation, they'd, be want to, they'd want to be made well? They'd want to be changed? Definitely. Let's fast forward to 2022. Why would someone then be in church if they don't want to be changed? Think about that. Now I'm going in toward the discipleship side of this. Remember I said this whole year, it's like this is what disciples do. Can I tell you something? What disciples do is they change. Is that, am I not working? I thought I sounded louder in my hearing aid than I did out here. And it was throwing me off. So, um, oh, I can test the, oh, I can preach with this. Come on, somebody. I'm sorry. <laughs> Whenever I get one of these in my hand, I go back to about 20. That was, that was needed, actually. <laughs> I go back to when I was younger and my screaming days, but... No, so it's true, though. Think about that. Like, we're in church. I'm not talking about just sickness. I'm I'm saying like discipleship issues, areas of growth, areas of change that we need. But day after day, year after year, maybe 38 years, we're still dealing with those same things. We're still not contending to get past those things, but we're satisfied laying up underneath the covering of grace. And Jesus comes and says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? Well, here's what happens with this man, John 5, 7. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and while I'm going another steps before me. I know it sounds really rude. I just want to go wham. And I know you're like, pastor is making fun of a cripple. I'm not, okay? I'm just saying this guy is like so many of us. I see the change. I see the opportunity. I even have the man himself before me saying, do you want to be healed? And my answer isn't yes. Tell me how. Give me a word. Show me what I need to do next. The answer is, "Uh, you know what? It's been years like this. I ain't got nobody to help. You got a guy in front of you that can help you. It's been years like this. You know, the angel stirs the waters and only one gets healed. It's, you have the Holy Ghost. You have Jesus. You have Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit right in front of you. And guess what? So does every single person in this room. Every single one of us. But here's what happens. He has grown complacent. And I'm not, I don't want to point the finger at him too much. I, I want to use this to point the finger at us. Okay, okay but he had grown complacent. And let me say it this way. The complacent will always struggle to stay bound to what's familiar. The complacent will always stay right where they're at. The complacent will always stay bound. My marriage can't get any better. My health can't get any better. My finances can't get any better. My, my struggles with addictions can't get any better. My... And You grow complacent, and, and we do. We'll begin to make excuses in those things. Now, there are people that sin is thrust upon you, and your hands are tied, amen? I'm just thinking of marital issues. Your hands get tied, all right? But the thing I'm trying to get at is just that idea in our minds that, no, whatever situation you're in right now, don't grow complacent. The Bible would say, don't grow weary in well-doing, but in due season, you will reap if you don't lose heart, In due season, if you'll keep planting the seed of faith, if you'll keep planting that hope, if you'll keep planting, I may not be delivered today, but tomorrow's my day, and I'm going to do everything I can today to walk in that deliverance, not to be satisfied just up underneath the colonnade of grace, but I'm going to walk in the victory that grace affords, and if we do that, we position position ourselves for Jesus to say, you will be made well, amen? Amen. I like how quiet it is today. I really do, because we're all thinking about this, you know? And so that five colonnades, as I said, that number means grace. The colonnades provided a covering, and I want to say it this way. So often we get satisfied with the covering of grace, that we're covered by grace, but we're not and willing to embrace change. We're not willing to reach out. Okay, Lord, I'm ready to do whatever you tell me to do. Walk in whatever you tell me to walk in. Live actually what the scripture says and be able to walk. Not not crawl through this life, this existence, but literally walk and not just walk. The Bible says run and not just run, soar. Amen? So complacency will cause you to be satisfied with the grace of God, but keep you from experiencing the power of God to change your life. God's okay with me just how I am. He is, but he's paid too dear a price for you not to stay that way or for you to stay that way. Grace is good, but grace is where it starts. And grace is where it goes and grace is where it ends. God's grace carries us through, but he doesn't want you just being covered in grace 38 years. He wants people to, to come along and bring you victory, amen? I'm going to just ask you all, how many in this room need a little victory in their life? Give a big shout. There's some things you're, I'm just being honest, there's some things you're going through, some things you're dealing with, some things you're facing, whether it's health, finances, whatever it may be, relationships, whatever, sin, issues of sin, addiction, whatever it might be, but you're sensing today is a day for victory for you. Is there anybody in this room feeling that in their spirit today? Anybody? Yeah, 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 that's what I'm praying for. God, today's that day that you have come to this pool of Bethesda, to this house of grace, this house of mercy. And we're inviting him to come and look at each person individually and say, do you want to be made well? Imagine Jesus saying that to you. What's your answer? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And you may not be crippled in body, but many of us in this room, myself at times included, we get crippled by complacency. We, we lay around in unrepentant sin or we're disabled by repeated choices that keep us far from God's best for our lives and we excuse it and we just say, it's okay. I, just, I guess God's just put this on me to help me grow. Well, you know what, we go through difficulties and God uses everything to help us grow, amen? Yes, he does. But there was a whole lot of stuff through the years I put on myself and I wanted to blame God. There was a whole lot of things through the years that I, I, I excused my, my, myself because of the complacency. I excused myself for being crippled in different areas. And I excused it by saying, you know what? God, God understands. God has it covered. Yes, he does. But that's the place where he affords you to have a miracle. That's the place where he meets with you to take you beyond what you ever thought possible. That's the place where his divine Holy Spirit comes to touch and to manifest and do something powerful and rich in your life. And so Jesus says to this man, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. I mean, it was at this pool. Jesus performs this miracle showing that he is greater than any human malady. And he is greater than any religious superstitions that would keep you from thinking you can have God's best. Because there are religious superstitions today that people have. God doesn't do that kind of work anymore. You can't pray a prayer of faith and ask for a miracle anymore. You have to just rest in whatever's given to you. That's the sovereignty of God. I guess he wants you. That sounds like a religious superstition to me. And if somebody's here, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm trying to push at your theology a little bit. Because you've come to a place that believes that miracles are still possible. You've come to a place that believes that, that healing is still possible. Divine deliverance, the casting out of demons, is still possible. I was waiting for somebody to run. All right, you're in it. You're in it. Good. This is good. We can go somewhere with this. God can do something with this group of people. Amen. Not a group of people that think we have it all figured out. I don't. God, I, why is it that last year on May 17th, my friend passed away because of cancer? Why did Sam have to go? I don't know. I wish I did. But I'm not going to stop believing for healing. I'm not going to stop believing that God has a plan and a purpose and can do amazing things. And Why is it that my, I, my I'm R2-D2 up here? Boop, beep, boop, boop. My staff teases me incessantly about it. <laughs> Pastor Stephanie calls me, Pastor, boop, beep, boop, boop. No. <laughs> I prayed for healing for this thing so many times, it didn't happen that way. But God used you all and a whole bunch of other churches, a whole bunch of other people to make me well. Amen? And God did get a greater miracle out of that. And that's awesome. But do you know what it did to me? Those first couple of years I was deaf and couldn't get my healing? And made me stop praying for healing. You may not realize that, but I did. I stopped praying for miracles. I I stopped trusting God that He could do something in the moment. I literally, not because I'm anything special, but young in my life, I traveled as an evangelist for about a year and a half. Um, And so, with that time, man, I had laid hands on people that were deaf and saw them get their hearing back. And I couldn't get mine. And I drew back into a place of complacency, into a place of religious superstition. Well, God, I guess you have it for some and not for others. I stopped praying for miracles and healing. A couple years into that, I realized I was in error. And Lord, your ways are not like mine. Your thoughts are not like mine. And so I began to pray for healing again because the Bible says to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. Started trusting and believing again. Started seeing miracles and signs and wonders again. But for two years, I bought into some religious superstition and I just backed up. I I, I really feel a religious superstition that has crept into the church is resting under the grace of God. I do. When it comes to personal growth, development, personal challenge, and areas that you know you need to develop spiritually, you know that are outside the will of God, I think a supernatural, a superstition rather, I think, is around that idea of just, you know what, it's okay, the grace covers me. It does. But He has so much more for you. Amen? I see that grace for that one that is just a new believer. I see that grace. It does carry us all the way through. Galatians talks about that. The grace that started you is the grace that will finish your faith. You know, I'm not saying that it's not. But use that grace of God to be able to rise up underneath that covering and start exercising your spirit, man. Start exercising who you are. Start getting in the word. Start developing who you are. Stop making excuses for the things that keep you far or separated from God's best. Start coming up underneath those colonnades. Yeah, he's got the... The sun off your shoulder. That's awesome. So grow in that place. And then watch what God begins to do. Amen. Goes on. So we have seen already that the complacent will struggle to stay bound to what's familiar. Now I want to look at the religious. Verse 9 through 10. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. Instantly, the religious started pointing fingers. Literally, we have moves of the Holy Spirit in church sometimes. And I get it when you sit back looking, going, hmm, I wonder, God. But there's a looking that's a, I wonder, God, that's an open looking. I don't understand this, God. This, this is just different than my upbringing, God. So there's an openness. Then there's the religion. I don't believe this one bit. I can't believe that. Who, does they, who do they think they are laying hands thinking they're going to heal somebody? Well, we don't think we're anybody. Jesus does that work. Well, I heard somebody speaking in tongues, kind of under their breath. What in the world is that? That's ridiculous. No, no, that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And at least in my life, it gives me the word of knowledge to be able to pray specifically what needs to be prayed in that moment. And so if you ever hear me, I have my head turned. I begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Bible says pray in the Spirit and with understanding. No sense in praying over that person in tongues. Freak them out, amen? I'm just being honest. It's it's fruitless, the Bible says, you know, in that way. But I pray The word of knowledge comes, or a word of wisdom comes, and I speak it forth in English to that person. Most people never, ever hear me when I'm doing that. But that's just, well, I just don't know if I believe in that. All right, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, go read it, you know. But we can get into religious superstition to where it's like, no, no, I don't think God does that anymore. No, no, he does. (laughs) Amen? But that's what happened here. They had religious practices where you don't do anything on Sabbath, Oh, they'd have no problem if their their money-making oxen fell in a ditch. They'd get that out. They care more about the oxen than they do this man. And so the the Jewish people, the leadership at the time, the Pharisees, they're looking at this and they're like, it's Sabbath. It's not lawful. So here's the next thing. Ready? The religious will always struggle with spiritual disruption. Or the complacent struggle with familiarity, just staying there. The religious struggle with spiritual disruption. And disruption is a powerful, powerful tool. Even in your own life, disruption. Some of y'all need a change in your life, just a wholesale change. I'm doing something different with myself. This set of friends have kept me bound for so long. You know what? God bless you. I am separating. I'm doing some spiritual disruption in my life. I mean, I, I've heard in the business community, there's times where people do wholesale spirit, phys, like business disruption, like wholesale change of environments, where they live, what they're doing, everything, books they're reading, all that kind of just choom, change, just to disrupt life because they've fallen into a sense of complacency. They've fallen into the doldrums and such like that. So when I say the disruption, there's power in disruption. Here's what disruption is. It's the act or process of disrupting something. <laughs> I knew you'd like that. <laughs> That's deep. I'll say another way, a break or interruption in the normal course or continuation of some activity or process. Some of you in here today that are struggling in your relationship, in your marriage or in your relationship with a family member, you need spiritual disruption. You need a break in the middle of that thing. You need a Bethesda experience where God comes up and says, all right, take up your mat and walk. Let's do something about this. A spiritual disruption. Some of you, when it comes to addictions or other things that you know you struggle with, and make excuses for, you need a spiritual disruption in that thing. I'm done just reading and not. Make, I'm done just reading and making excuses. I'm reading. I'm getting at the foot of the cross. I'm reading and I'm going to Jesus. God, no, no more. Jesus, heal me, deliver me, set me free. Even if it means I start speaking in tongues, fill me with the Holy Ghost. That's freaky, but do it, Jesus. I just need your power to be evident in my life that's spiritual disruption. Amen? And so John 5 11, he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. So these leaders are lambasting him for being basically healed. <laughs> Come on, God touched me. How can you be so upset? And he's like, you know what? I, I don't know who this guy is, but All I know is he said, take up my bed and walk. And for 38 years, I've been laying here an invalid. I finally, I I took up my bed and I walked. That's disruption. He did something upon the word of Jesus. Jesus said, do it. He did it. Sometimes as disciples, we got to stop making excuses and using grace as the covering when we read scripture and we got to look at it and say, oh, Jesus said, do it. You know what? I'll do it. And I might do it struggling, and I might do it stumbling, and I might do it not to perfection. That's okay. That's all right. That's, you're still underneath the colonnade of grace. But you're not using the grace place as a place for excuses anymore. Well, I know my life's not what it's supposed to be, but I'm at church every Sunday. Well, good. I just want you to get at church in victory. Now, till you do, it's a great grace place. Amen. But I don't serve you well as a pastor if I don't take a moment to tell you, you can have faith for Jesus to change you. But faith without works is dead. So you need the faith for Jesus to change you. But when he gives you the way out, take up your bed. Start taking up your bed. Yeah. Amen. That, that's what I'm seeing here. You see why I was excited? I was excited all, the last couple, I've been excited for this sermon for a while. Well, here's what he answers. And I love it because it's like, I don't really know what happened. You know, a lot of times God takes us to new heights and new places and we we can't quite explain it. He goes, he answered, the man who healed me needs to take take up your bed. You know, it's just, it's like he doesn't know quite exactly what's happened. I love that. All I know is this guy touched my life. That's it. He made a difference and I'm no longer the same. I'm no longer the same. I'm no longer the same. And I'm just going to challenge you with that spiritual disruption. If you look at your life and you say, you know what? I am the same whether you've been saved two weeks, six months, six years, 60 years. If your life looks like it always has looked, and you're not same, I would say you need some spiritual disruption and follow Jesus at a whole nother level. And here's the reason why. Because following Jesus will bring about life change. It just does, it does. And so you may need some disruption in your life. Well, what's that look like? You're facing issues of sin, you need disrupted by the Word. Not look at the word and go, "Yep, that's me, But God, your grace is sufficient. It is, but that's not spiritual disruption. God, that's me. Usually, if you'll read a little further, you'll find out what He says to do next. Here's a list of unrighteousness, and then he'll say, "But practice righteousness. For those who practice righteousness will inherit the kingdom of God. And I don't believe the kingdom is just the heaven. That is just heaven. I believe when it says you'll inherit the kingdom of God, I believe that's his authority and his power here in the earth. But if we practice unrighteousness and make excuses for it, saying grace has covered us, we'll never walk in the authority and the power, the word of the Lord that says to us, take up your bed and walk. Does that make sense? So facing issues of sin, have it disrupted by the word and act on it. Facing disruption or facing doubt and sickness. I've been there. Disrupt that by joining an agreement with the faith of others. That's what we're about ready to do. We're going to join an agreement with the faith of others. You're facing doubt in these relationships. You're facing doubt in your marriage. You're facing doubt in your finance. You're facing doubt in your healing. You're facing doubt. I get that. And when your faith is low, you lean into the agreement of others. That's why it says that we pray the prayer of faith. We lay hands on the sick and we pray the prayer of faith. It says to call upon the elders, You know, leaders, people in the church that know how to pray. To call upon them and pray the prayer of faith. Why? You're joining an agreement. That's why our small groups are so important. Because you go through things at times. And when you're together, that's a place of agreement. And Jesus is in the midst. When he's in the midst, he speaks. And when we respond to what he says, we walk in greater victory. So if you follow Jesus' will, it'll bring about life change to you. And here's the thing, not just physical change, but spiritual change as well. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? And the man didn't know who it was. Jesus had withdrawn himself. But in verse 14, it says, afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Now listen, not every one of those sicknesses Paralizations, issues that people had under the, the, those colonnades at Bethesda, not every one of those was directly resulted of sin, but guess what? It sure does sound like this guy's was. It does. So that causes us to check ourselves. Am I where I'm at because of sin? Or am I where I'm at because of original sin? But we need to know that answer. And I believe Jesus put his finger on this. This guy was injured, something had happened at one time or another as a result of sin, I don't know what it was. He's climbing a wall to get into a window to steal something and he fell. I don't know what it was. All I know is he looks at him and he says to him, Don't sin anymore, or worse will come upon you. And now some people will use this to say every sickness is the result of personal sin. But Jesus covered that so many times. Man's healed of blindness. Why is he blind? His mother sinned, his father sinned, or him? No, so that the glory of God could be revealed. Today, there's many in this room, God's gonna move upon you so that his glory is revealed. Amen? And there's others, I hope his conviction in your life is revealed. And you go, you know what? A lot of stuff I'm facing that's paralyzing me is stuff I'm welcoming. And Jesus says, go and sin no more. Amen? The same result is healing. That's what's awesome. Don't face and receive it with condemnation. Receive it with challenge. Amen? We're almost done. I preached past my notes. Where am I at? Oh, I know what it was. Ooh, I love this. This man was a sinner of some sort that caused his injury. Jesus tells him to go and sin no more. You know what's neat? That's exactly who Jesus found at the pool of Bethesda that he wanted to heal. Isn't that cool? The one that probably did something himself that got him hurt. But, gee, that's how grace is. Grace is that starting place. Grace, God covers That's why I'm saying don't walk in any condemnation. That's how grace works. So the Jews that were there persecuting Jesus, they were upset in verse 15 because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. And Jesus just said, my father is working until now and I'm working. In other words, you can be upset, but we're doing the work of the Lord. We're doing the will of God right now. And I believe personally, God wants to do something in this place this morning to bring some spiritual disruption, to take us from a place of complacency into what he has. Jesus didn't just move through his people amongst his people 2,000 years ago. Jesus didn't move when I was a young man and would see signs and wonders and miracles. Jesus didn't just move at the revival, what was the Azusa revival around the early 1900s. Yeah, he did. It set a wave of, 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 of spiritual growth and movement across the world that is still being experienced today. Jesus didn't just move in the mid-90s at Brownsville. Amen. Some of you know what that was. It was just a church in Florida that had a big revival that lasted a couple of years. He didn't just move in the, 19, uh, in the mid-1990s. The churches all over the country from that wave. No, no. He desires to move today here and in this place. Yeah, he does. And when he moves amongst us, he brings his healing and changing power. And so Jesus said, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing for whatever the father does that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he is doing and greater works than these will he show so that you may marvel. God wants you just to be able to have your jaw drop. Oh, you're so good Look what you're doing. For as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. I believe Jesus wants to do something in this place this morning to bring about change in your life. I do. And pastor can't shout it. If you can tell, I've preached different today than I normally do. I mean, I I can't shout that into you. I can't get you worked up. I could. i want Jesus seen. I could, but I want the revival that God moves upon us to be pure. And just him. Amen? Last verse. It says, For as the Father has life in him, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. And I believe God wants to execute judgment in this place. And that may make you feel nervous. But when I say judgment, judgment's a good thing. God wants to unleash judgment against sin, sickness, and strife today in your life. Amen? where he looks at it and he judges it and he curses it and he brings the solution in that moment. That's judgment. But he can't judge until you judge. He can't make that judgment until you say, you know what, I'm done. I'm done just leaning in and being satisfied with complacency. I'm done leaning in and just being satisfied with my religious views. No, 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 Lord, whatever you want, Lord, whatever. Have your way in my life. And God does just that. Amen? Let's stand to our feet, everybody. Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he desires to work out the Father's will in this place today. If we're not complacent and if we're not religious. Amen? Last thing. I said last, I lied. I skipped three. But how can you believe... This is verse forty-four. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another, and you do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? I I picture this like I'm commiserating in small group, and you should. But I'm saying this is what I'm struggling with. This is how bad it is. I can't believe this. I can't believe my boss. And everybody gives you glory because you're receiving glory from one another. Oh, that's awful. Your boss is horrible. No, you're okay. God's grace. So you receive the glory from other people. Does that make sense? Being honored in the midst of your struggle because God's grace is over you. Rather than having some real friends who are like, take up your bed and walk. (laughs) Now still share with each other, but spurn each other on. So often, mutual accountability is, this week I stunk? Yep, me too. Well, better next week. No, look at each other. Take up your bed and walk. It's what Christians do. And we stumble when we first walk. And we struggle. And we fall down. And even David, he would say that, that the righteous fall down six times. But that seventh time, come on. There comes a point when you stop falling and you start walking and then you start running and then you start soaring. That's the way we should spurn each other on. And so today we're not going to seek the glory of man. We're gonna seek the glory of God in this house as we go back into worship. And what I wanna encourage you to do is to believe that God can touch you today in this place. Amen? And this is our our Bethesda. We're gonna have people coming up, some staff and some others that I've talked to about praying praying. And we're just wanting to pray with you. If you have something that you're saying, you know what? I'm ready. I am ready now to walk out what God has for me. I'm ready for growth. I'm ready for healing. I'm ready for deliverance. I'm ready for whatever it is. As you've since the Holy Spirit drawing you up here, as we're worshiping, man, we're just going to pray and let Jesus have his way in this house. Amen. Amen? If someone wants to come up and you just want to kneel at the altar, that's fine too. But there's something about the power of agreement when you're struggling with these kinds of things. There really is. And so we want to pray today. Amen? Let's just kind of all raise our hands up to the Lord one more time as we pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, this is your house. Have your way amongst us. Do your works as your Father wills. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv